Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about a problem I hear about quite often in my parent coach practice, and also when talking to fellow parents, and certainly is something that I'm not a stranger to myself as a mom of four kids. And that is, how do I get my kids to listen to me and why aren't they listening to me? And what do I need to do to get them to listen to me? So I thought this is a pretty common challenge. And a lot of times parents don't really understand why their kids don't just listen and do what they ask them to. What's getting in the way? What's the problem? And there could be many reasons why your child does not just snap up and immediately do exactly what you've asked or respond when you talk to them and don't listen really attentively. There can be many reasons and there's many ways to address these reasons. There's many ways to address what could be getting in the way for your child. So that is what I'm going to be talking about today. Starting first with why. Why are your kids sometimes or all the time or most of the time, not listening. I've got a bunch of reasons why, and we're going to unpack them right now. The first reason why your kid may not be listening is in that very moment, they don't feel connected to you. So something else has their attention. Something else has their focus, and it's not you. So they may not be listening in the moment when you give them a direction because they're not oriented to your voice, to your presence, to your relationship. And that's why they're not listening. They might be distracted by something and they don't immediately shift focus onto you because something else, and it could be a sibling or a friend or a toy or a device that has their focus. And so when you talk, they have to shift focus and orient and they're not doing so. If you haven't interacted with your child for a period of time, or you've been in another room, or maybe you've been separated for a period of time because of school, or they've just come back from a play date or something like that, that relationship, that attachment energy, that connection is not turned on yet. And that may be why they're not listening. Second reason why they may not be listening when you talk to them or give them a direction is they might think that they need to have a choice or a say or been given options. And that may be the case because we've let them believe that that is what they always get, that they aren't just told it's time to do this thing, that they always should have 
would you do this thing right now? Or would you like to do this or that? It might be that you set your child up to believe that they always get to have a say. They always get to be asked their opinion or they're always able to have choices. So they may not be listening because they think, oh wait, I get to weigh in on this or you didn't give me a choice or um, no, I'm not ready to do it right now. You may have posed your direction as a question and that's not why they're not listening and following through. The third reason why they may not be listening is you may be talking too much. Kids hate being lectured. You may be using too many words and kids tend to have fairly short attention spans. So they may be just not listening to you because you're saying too much and they tune you out after word three or four. The fourth reason why your kids may not be listening is that you may be communicating in a way that automatically puts them on the defense. You may be approaching them in a way that makes them feel like, oh, here comes a fight. Oh, here, oh, here comes a power struggle. All right, I'm good. You might be using language like you're doing this and that's not okay. A lot of you language leading your sentences or requests. You may be leading with a threat. If you don't do this now, this is gonna happen. You may be communicating and putting them in defense by saying, why haven't you done this yet? You're immediately communicating that there's something going on that we need to fight. And what happens when kids hear that is they automatically respond with more counter will, more defiance, more resistance. Automatically, your brain is wired to. They're not feeling connected and they hear, oh, here comes a battle. I need to put on my armor and defenses and fight back. That may be why your child is not listening because of how you're communicating with them. The fifth reason why your child may not be listening to you is because they may be conditioned to have you repeat yourself one, two, three times until you yell. Oh, and that's when they respond. So you may have conditioned them to only respond and listen when you get to the yell phase because that's when they know you mean business. So they know they don't have to listen to the first, second, or third time you've said something. They only have to listen when you yell it. That could be why they're not listening the first, second, or third time you ask something. The sixth reason is they might not care about pleasing you, listening to you, obeying, following your directions. They may not care. Meaning the relationship might right now be struggling, might be suffering a little bit, Wanting to follow your directions and listen and obey is an instinct that children have when there's a strong relationship, a strong connection. So if your relationship is not in a good place right now, they don't care about listening to you. There's not that natural instinct already there working for you. So because of that, oftentimes parents resort to kind of leverage the things that their kids do care about. And that to use that as a threat or to coerce them by a threat of punishment. They're trying to control their child by something that does control them because it's not you. It's not a relationship with you. What does control them? Maybe it's their favorite toy. Maybe it's time with their friends. Maybe it's screen time. So parents use the things that their child does care about against them, which causes even more harm and more disconnect between you and your child in terms of that relationship. 
If you're in that mode where you know your child doesn't care what you say or a direction you give, and all you have going for you is something you can hold over them, and usually over time, that list of things you can hold over them gets shorter and shorter and shorter because it's too wounding, it's too hurtful to care about things. So kids just kind of turn off caring about all things. Typically, the last thing they care about is their screens. And so a lot of times, parents will just use that phone as the leverage to get their kid to do what they ask them to do. And because they don't have any other way, we don't want kids to just care about a phone being taken away for them to listen. They need to care about their relationship with you and potentially disappointing you, letting you down and feel a sense of remorse. Well, they can't feel remorse over something if they don't care about it in the first place. That could be the reason why your child is not listening and needs to be thought about a little bit more. Um, the seventh reason might be because you're not really modeling respectful listening yourself. When your child wants your attention and wants to share something with you, when you're spending time together, are you not really a great listener? Are you distracted by your devices, by that email you've got to send, by something that's on your mind, a task that has to get done, your stresses, your worries? Is that kind of like what you're attending to instead of your child? Do you kind of half-heartedly listen to them while you're doing a million other things? They may be picking up on that and you may be modeling for them the exact type of listening that you know is really a problem when it comes to you communicating with your child and having them listen. So don't model it for them. You need to realize that you may be modeling poor listening yourself. And that may be why your child is not listening to you. And the eighth reason why is there might be some type of underlying condition that just makes it hard for your child to listen or pay attention or to follow through with that you've asked something along the lines of maybe ADHD, or maybe there's a hearing or a language processing disorder that needs to be identified. So it may be that your child is not listening because it's very difficult or impossible or highly, highly challenging because there's something underlying. It may not be a relationship issue. It may not be what you're doing. You may be doing all the things I've already mentioned in a way that is conducive to your child listening, yet they're still not listening. It may be because they find it very difficult to do so because there's something going on, an underlying condition. Okay, so those are eight things I've highlighted that are reasons why your child may not be listening to you. So, okay, how do we fix this? How do we address this? How do we make it easier and more reliable and more instinctive for your child to listen and follow through with what you've asked of them or just to attend to you when you're speaking to them? How do we fix that? Well, one of them, one of the main ones is your approach. You need to make it easier for your child to attend to you, to orient to you by turning on that relationship energy, that connection, that attachment first before you tell them something you share something with them, or you give them a direction. I've talked about the strategy quite a bit on my podcast. It's sometimes called connect before direct. That's common language used uh, for people who are in the positive discipline world. Um, there's also 
collect before direct, which is a language that is used or a phrase that is used by um, Dr. Gordon Neufeld. He talks about collecting eyes, a smile, a nod, eye contact, some way to know that your child is responding and they're hearing you and what you're saying is being received and you're in the same world. You have their attention. They're oriented to them. So what do you do? How do you accomplish this? Well, you enter their space, their world in a friendly way. If they're attending to something, attend to it with them. You draw attention to that thing that has their focus right now. You connect with them by looking at or addressing the thing that does have their focus until you know that they have shifted and they're now responding to you because you've kind of met them where they're at. They're attending right now to their Lego that they're building. Oh, look at your Lego. That's really cool. What's it going to be? What stage are you on right now? Oh, that's really neat. What's the next piece you're putting on? Oh, there it is. You found it. That's great. Okay, so we're going to have to move on from Lego now because it's dinner time. Why don't you come with me? I made a really yummy dinner. You've connected with them and then you've given the direction and then they're more likely to follow. Or you can go ahead and you can connect with them in a playful way. You can be silly. You can be goofy. You can come in there and you can grab their attention, orient it towards you by being something more playful, more interesting, more entertaining than what currently has their attention and focus. So that's a really powerful way. If you've not been using that approach when trying to have your child listen, I really encourage you to give that a try. It's incredibly powerful and it works. It might feel like more effort, but it's not because you're avoiding all the other things that are highly frustrating, like repeating, 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 and yelling. If you connect first, you can avoid that. It will probably take the same amount of time, likely less, and you don't end up on the other side with people being really frustrated and angry with each other. You end up on the other side with people feeling connected, with people, your relationship has gotten another little bit of a boost of extra attention through the way in which you've approached giving your child a direction or sharing something with them when you want their attention. The second way to fix this problem Stop giving your child so many choices or asking so many questions. Hey, if it's working for you, great. If your child responds really well and listens when you offer them a choice or you ask them a question, great, keep going. You're probably not listening to this podcast right now because otherwise you probably wouldn't want to find out why your child's not listening. If it's working for you, great, continue. For a lot of kids though, this has caused a bigger problem. And it might be that your child won't listen, won't follow, won't obey what you have set as a rule unless they get to have a say in it, unless they are empowered to say, okay, sure, I'll do that right now. Or yeah, no, I don't feel like it. Well, if you're not willing to receive a no or not right now, or yeah, I don't want to do that right now. If you're not willing to receive the answer, do not pose it as a question. You're setting your child up for believing that they get to have a say in something in which they actually don't have a say. So don't give a direction in the form of a question if no or I don't want to right now is not okay with you. Also, if you're giving choices to your child, that can be okay as long as the choices are ones that work for you and are clearly tied to the same umbrella direction you've given. For example, okay, it's time to get changed right now. Do you wanna put your shirt on first or your pants on first? That's okay. If it works for you, a lot of times it doesn't. So don't again 
make things muddy and confusing by giving so many questions and choices that your child ultimately feels kind of like paralyzed, but oh gosh, now I have to decide shirt first or pants first. I don't know. That's too much to think about. You know what? Just make it easier on your kid. Just give them clear directions and don't make it sound to them like, oh, I can opt to do this or not do this or okay, all right, I'll do it. But gosh, now I got to make a decision. And that's, that's a lot. You're just going to end up with a frustrated kid and a frustrated parent. So just avoid doing too many choices and questions as a primary way to get your child to follow, listen, and obey. It's fine to offer them once away. But like I said, do so in a way that it will be effective in getting your child to follow the overarching umbrella direction you're given. Like, it's time to clean up the playroom. Do you want to clean up the Legos or the dolls? Oh, okay, I'll do the Legos. That's great. Your child's cleaning up the playroom and by offering them a choice of what part they clean up or what they clean up first, that might work great for you. But if it is backfiring, then just avoid it altogether. Third way to fix the problem of your child not listening. Stop talking too much. Stop lecturing. If you are lecturing your child and talking, 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 and they're tuning you out, you need to stop. This is a hard one for me. I was raised by a lecturer and I have a real strong tendency to lecture. I'm still working on it. Still something I need improvement on as well. So instead, say what you need to say, but with fewer words, keep it short, clear, simple, firm, yet kind. And then if it's needed, feel free to follow up with some questions such as, does that make sense? Do you understand? Or can you repeat back to me what I've asked you to do? Just to check to make sure it was received. Another way that you can approach this is rather than doing all that kind of reminding, 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 if you already have kind of something that your child knows always happens. For example, my children know that when they're done eating and they've been excused, they always clear their spot. So rather than come back here, you you need to clean up after yourself. You know, that's the expectation. It's not my job to always clean up after you guys. I've had it, the lecture mode that you can find yourself in sometimes. Instead, if your kid already knows, they don't need a lecture. They don't need it explained another time. That's not actually helpful. And it can be really annoying and then do some damage to your relationship. So instead of doing the lecture approach, if your child fails to do something you know they already know how to do, you can just say, oh, what? what's the thing you do after you finish your meal? And then they'll do it. Oh, thanks. See how simple that was? It was short. It was simple. It was clear, firm, yet kind. That can often be much more effective than the lecture approach. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. The fourth thing you can adjust if you're finding that your children are not listening is the way in which you are communicating. You should keep your language neutral, free from blame and shame, not using an angry, frustrated, intense tone. 
your child will be more likely to listen if you're using that type of communication and language. So things like this, I can see you need some help. I know it's really hard to put away your toys when you're having so much fun and it's bedtime. I know that's really hard. I could see you need some help right now. I can help you. Another thing you can do if your child makes a mistake or doesn't listen, let's try this another way or let's try another approach or oh, let's do a do-over. We forgot already. All those ways of communicating are very neutral and they're not angry, shaming ways of communicating. You can also try instead of um, just going up to your child and saying like, put it away now, instead say, I'm so glad you're enjoying this. We'll make sure to find some time for this later. Tell me what you like so much about it while we're moving on to brushing your teeth and putting on your PJs. <laughs> it's kind of that connect before direct approach, but it's the language in what you're using. It's a way of acknowledging that, yeah, it's hard to move on. I see that. And you're not going to shame and blame your child. You're going to kind of keep your language neutral, acknowledge it's hard, and then you move things forward. It works much better than being very aggressive and communicating in a way that puts your child immediately on the defensive. The fifth thing that you can do or adjust as a parent is you can stop repeating yourself and definitely stop repeating yourself until you yell. If your child is waiting for that, second, third, fourth, and then yelled uh, request, they've been programmed to wait for that, to know you mean business. So stop approaching requests and communication with your children in that way. You have to stop yourself from repeating yourself until you are heard only when you yell. That's not okay. So if you find that you're one of those people that is repeating yourself again and again and again until you get frustrated and end up yelling at your child, stop yourself. Make the request the first time. And then rather than repeating it a second time, stop yourself and ask yourself, okay, did I connect first? And make sure that I had their attention, that their attention was oriented towards me first. Did I speak clearly and with fewer words? Was I non-threatening in my tone and word choice? If the answer is no to any of those, then try again and do it, putting those things into place. So yes, it's kind of like repeating yourself, but it's not repeating yourself in the same way. If you've given a direction and then you stop yourself and you're like, oops, I forgot to connect first. Oops, I kind of parented cold and I just gave a command. Go back and do it again connecting first. Okay. So go ahead and make sure that you're following the kind of rules one through four <laughs> that I already have laid out. And if you haven't done them, oops, it's on you. It's not your kid's fault. You need to go back and go back and try it that way first. And that will likely make it so that your child will listen. But if you have tried those things and you have connected first and you have spoken clearly and you were not threatening and you were not in kind of this like aggressive way of communicating. If you have done all those things, then you need to act, not by 
getting mad at your kid and trying to control them by coercing them and threatening them and yelling at them or giving them a warning. If you don't do this now, I'm going to, or this is your first warning. I'm only going to give one or two more. Well, gosh, your kid's going to certainly wait until you issue those warnings before they follow through because you've trained them to do so. So if yes, you have connected first, you have spoken clearly, you've been non-threatening in your language and tone, then you control the circumstances versus trying to control your child. This is what I mean by this. This is to step in and follow through with whatever you need to that will control the circumstances right now surrounding your child. And then they'll just have to deal with the natural consequences of you stepping in and taking action. Here's what I mean by that. Here's a few examples because this took a little bit for me to understand myself when I was making this adjustment. So let's say you have connected, you've been playing with your child, you've said, okay, it's time for you to put away that toy. I need you to put that toy away now and come to the dinner table. And that doesn't happen. Rather than now repeating yourself or threatening or whatever, if it doesn't happen, step in there, pick up the toy, put it away. You take control of the thing rather than trying to control the child. Another example, if your child is a young child and you've connected with them, you've been playful with them, but now it is time to leave the park. And you've said like, oh, this is so fun. Let's go down the slide one more time. And now it's time to leave and they don't follow. Swoop up, pick up your child and leave. Don't blame them, shame them, threaten them. Nope, just take control of what you can control. In this case, you need to change environment. You need to kind of take over because they're not listening at this time. And so you control the circumstances that you can control. In that case, if you have a young child, it might be physically removing them from something. Another example, let's say you have an older child and you've said, okay, you've connected with them and you've said, it's time to come to dinner now and they don't come. Just go ahead and start dinner without them. And they might get to the table and find, oops, my favorite food item is gone. I love pasta, which is the side dish, let's say for the night. I don't like salad and chicken as much and there's no more there's no more pasta left. Well, oops, gosh, it's too bad. You know, we served up the food and you weren't here and I think people kind of took seconds before you got here. That's too bad. Hopefully next time you'll get here in time and then you won't miss having your favorite food item. What's happened here is you've controlled the things you can control and your child is having to deal with the natural consequences of not following or listening when you have done everything the way that I've suggested and it's still not happening. It might just be that they need to kind of experience a little bit of natural consequences of their inaction or slow action. And you should also know that this is new and your child is not used to you not giving a warning or a reminder, 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 yell. If they're not used to that, it might be that the first few times you do this, they might be shocked and say, wait a minute, you didn't give me a warning. Wait, you usually tell me once or twice, or I, I didn't know you really meant it. That's okay. That's not their fault. They're having to learn something a new way. And you should be able to expect that and say, yep, that's right. But I shouldn't have to repeat myself. And I'm sorry that I've led you to believe that you always get a warning. You don't. You don't always get a warning. You need to listen the first time I ask you and not wait until I have to remind you two or three times or yell at you because I know you don't like that. I don't like it either. We're not doing warnings anymore. That doesn't work for us. So when I listen and tell you something, it needs to happen. And if it doesn't, then 
unfortunately, sometimes you're going to have to deal with the natural consequences that follow that. The sixth idea in terms of how to help a child who doesn't listen, listen better, is to not have to give so many directions, to not have to give a lot of orders throughout the day. It might be that you're giving a lot and they're tuning you out because, oh my gosh, it's another request. It's another direction. It's another thing I have to listen to. You might really, really benefit yourself and your child by the sixth tip is set up routines, structures, rules that are in place around things that you are frequently having to give directions around. Things like what we do when we leave the house or what we do immediately coming back to home. Things like we hang up our coats, we take off our shoes and put them where they go, we wash our hands. We're still in the age of COVID, so my kids also know we take off our dirty mask and throw it into the dirty mask basket by the front door. Have a routine that's set up. Have reminders that are easy to follow if your child doesn't follow them naturally. Have that routine in place so you don't always have to be the one saying it, reminding them, getting frustrated that they're not following through. Things like screen times. If you're always having to be the one to saying, screen time is over, you've already hit your limit for the day. No, you can't have screen time now. Yes, you can. Oh, you've had too much. If you're always having issues around something like screen time, set up a routine, a rule, or a structure so your child knows that, oh, we only get screen time on these certain days, and we have it for this long. And when the time's up, the time is up. Another thing that can be really helpful to have a routine, a rule, or a structure are things having to do with snacks or meal times. So your kids should know when snacks are okay and when snacks are not okay. My kids, for example, know that there's no snacks after 4 p.m. That's a rule that we have in place in our home. So when 3.50 is around the clock and they're still a little hungry, they know that they have 10 minutes to get that last snack in because there's no snacking that happens between 4 p.m. and dinner time. That's a rule. It's a structure. I don't have to always say, no, you can't have a snack now and then have my rule not followed. So if you have rules and structures in place, you won't have to give so many directions and have the chance your child's going to tune you out. And the seventh tip to help your child be a better listener is to make it easier for your child to want to listen. And that happens by them caring about you. Caring about you comes from having a strong, secure, healthy relationship with you. If your child doesn't care about disappointing you by not listening, about not following one of your rules, if they don't care about that, you don't have a leg to stand on. You don't have much to go off of. So if this is the case for you and you're recognizing my kid doesn't even care about a direction I give, they only care or listen when I threaten something they do care about, like time with their friends or time on their screen. If that's the place from which you're operating now when it comes to your child and your relationship, you need to focus right now on strengthening your relationship with your child and focus way less on disciplining them by means of controlling them through threats punishments and taking away things they care about that is only going to serve to cause further damage and disconnect between you and your child. So focus first on your relationship. Focus on communication with your child in a way that is not threatening or causing further disconnect between you. There might be something going on there. 
There is a rule of thumb I refer to all the time. I would say it's like the number one 3D parent rule of discipline. And that is that children instinctively want to listen to, follow, and obey their parents and those to whom they feel connected to. If they don't feel connected to you ever, none of this is going to work. If they feel connected to you a lot of the time, and you just need to kind of turn on that relationship and connection in the moments you need them to listen, well, then you've got progress that can be made there. But if they don't care about you anytime, then that's where you need to work. Who cares about cleaning up their room, following through with chores? Who cares about any of those things? That's not the first and foremost issue. There's a house on fire right now, and it is your relationship with your child. All the rest of the things that they should be doing, those can wait while you repair your relationship. That needs to happen first before you'll have any chance of influencing your child to do all those things that they need to do that you want them to do. Relationship first, then you can go ahead and use that relationship to influence and turn on your child's natural listening instincts. So think about ways that you can connect to their child. You need to look at things that you have in common that you can do together, that you enjoy. Plan opportunities to spend time together, special outings. Think about the favorite thing your child likes to eat for dinner or favorite treat. Go ahead and provide that. I thought of you. I know you love this. Think about ways in which you can maybe even help them do things they don't like to do, like their chores, like folding their laundry and just do it together. I know you don't like doing this chore. How about I help you out? We do it together. It could be an opportunity to connect with your child and help them follow through with things that you want them to follow through with anyway. Focus on strengthening and repairing your relationship with your child. That will turn on that instinct far better than any threat or punishment ever will. The eighth thing you need to do or you can do to turn on your child's listening instincts is to model attentive listening yourself. So when your child is trying to share something with you or tell you something, take a minute and put down or stop whatever it is that you're doing if you can and turn your attention towards them and give them your eye contact. Listen to them attentively. Ask them questions about what they're sharing with you. Turn away from your distractions and respond and acknowledge and show interest. And if they're asking you to do something and you said, yep, I'll be right there, follow through with what you've told them you will do. Otherwise you're just modeling someone, oh, yep, sorry, I got distracted. Oh, yep, sorry, I know I said I would be there in two minutes, but I had this email to return to. Oh, I had to finish doing the dishes. If you can't be there in a minute or two, don't tell them that you will. Say, I will be there as soon as I finish doing this thing. And then follow through. Do not move on to the next thing because I'm not there bugging you. <laughs> Actually model attentive listening. Model for them what you wish to see in them. And then the ninth thing that I will share, and this kind of is a follow-up of, if you're doing all of these things and your child is still not listening, if your relationship is in a good place and you do a lot of these things already, then you may need to take a look at something else that could be going on, like an underlying condition that you need to investigate. This is especially important if other people are reporting the same problem, teachers, other people in your child's life. 
you might need to check this out. You need to check this out if this is the case. So check in with teachers and coaches. Do you find that my child doesn't really listen attentively when you give directions? If it's, oh yeah, okay, there's probably something going on there that you need to investigate. It could be something like ADHD. Kids with ADHD oftentimes tend to hyper-focus on something that has their attention. So literally, they do not hear something. It's very difficult for them to turn their attention away. And if you give a direction and they have every intention of following through, it might just be that something grabbed their attention before they had a chance to follow through. So you need to take a look at that before you get mad at them or think that there may be something else going on that is a relationship issue. It might actually not be. It might be something like ADHD or there may be something going on with their hearing or language processing. So investigate those things and rule them out. And if it's not there, great. We can rule that out. We know it's something else that's going on for our child. And if it is this, then you can adjust and learn from experts who will be diagnosing your child how to best communicate with your child to increase their chance of listening and following through with directions. So in conclusion, listen, we would all of our kids to just do what we say when we say it just because we're their parent. We all love that. That'd be great. But ask yourself, do you like being ordered around or threatened or punished or lectured by somebody maybe you work for, your boss, or maybe your spouse? Would you like that? Do you like that? Can you think back to your child when somebody, an authority figure, a parent, a teacher, a coach, when they ordered you, threatened you, punished you, lectured you, did you like that? Probably not. I'm, I'm sure not. Well, guess what? Neither does your child. You need to take this relationship-focused approach to communication with your child because it's going to help them be better listeners and in the meantime, support your relationship developing. And the bonus is it will set up your child for knowing how to communicate effectively and respectfully with others in the future. So this goes far beyond just getting your child to listen when you tell them to come when it's time for them to come to the dinner table. This goes far beyond that. This is actually profound. So if your child's not a great listener, I hope this has given you a lot of good food for thought and ways to address this, looking at yourself in the way in which you are communicating with your child and also looking at the strength of your relationship and if that could be in play. I hope I've given you some things to look at to help you be able to address the problem of your child not listening, maybe with some new insight. I hope you join me again on the next episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. Until then, have a great day and take care. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one -on -one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at The3DParent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on The3D Parent Podcast.